Imagine you want to start your own business. Where do you begin? Well, you probably want to start small, testing your ideas with friends and family. Don't quit your day job until you're positive your plan has a chance of success, right? Well, Zora Mohammed and Torben Butcher, the two crazy guys from, from the northern of Germany, took a different approach. The first thing that we did is like, okay, let's quit our jobs because if we want to do it, we have to take it seriously. And that's what we did. Okay, but then at least you validate your idea before launching it, don't you? The, the, we didn't put in the effort um, to test it um, otherwise. So, uh, and that was, that was um, I think, the, the, the right idea at that time. Um, because if we had tested it, it um, we, we would have um, maybe got the result that it won't work. Because Zorab and Torben's idea was way ahead of its time. It was 2010 and what they wanted to do was sell food online. So it was before Picnic, before HelloFresh, before all the online supermarkets. Um, it was like the um, beginnings of the real serious time for Amazon. Okay, So, uh, so it was a very, very new, um, new way of, of selling food. And not just any food. Nope, they wanted to sell rice. In Germany, the land of sauerkraut, bratwurst and potatoes. Definitely not the land of rice, at least not yet. Powered by Molly, this is Moment of Growth, a show about entrepreneurs and that specific moment in time when they felt like their company was really taking off. I'm Viviane Bendermacher, and on today's episode, you'll hear the story of Zorab Mohammed and his dream to elevate rice from side dish to the centerpiece of the Western cuisine. It's a story about Persian roots, bootstrapping your way into success, lots of storytelling and international expansion. This is Rice Hunger's Moment of Growth. To tell Reishunger's story, we need to go back in time, to the place many entrepreneurs find their origins. We need to head back to Zorab's college days. It's the end of the zeros and Zorab is studying industrial engineering. And to be perfectly honest, um, I, studied, um, I studied industrial engineering because I didn't know what to study. Um, I wasn't sure of my talents. I wasn't sure if I had any talents. And that was the reason why I chose something very generalistic. And that's where he met Torben at university. That initial meeting was actually Zorab's first important lesson in business. When I met Torben, it was the first time in my life that um, I met someone who was who had the same values and, uh, as me, um, but was very, very different in the way he thought and in the way he worked. So we had we were in one project group, and I saw okay, that's that's a very interesting point of view, or that's a very interesting way to solve a problem, and that was very different from my way. So, yeah, that was that was very strange because I always thought um, that you can only be successful with people you um, you are alike, um, but that is not the case. Things just clicked between the two of them right off the bat. Zorab, absolutely sure he wanted to be an entrepreneur after university, decided to join forces with Torben. Together, they brainstormed about their business idea. So 
Uh, we wanted to do yoga drinks. We wanted to do a tech company, online tech company, you name it. Uh, and then one day during uh, those uh, brainstorming sessions, Torben asked me, so Zorab, what is in Iran that um, doesn't exist in Germany? You see, Zorab's roots are in the Middle East. Although he himself was born and raised in Germany, his parents are from Iran. And we adapted very quickly to the German society or the, the German habits. But uh, of course, we had a lot of, you know, Persian Persian things that we still do. And one of them is rice, because rice um, in the Persian record or in, in the Middle East is a very essential food. So it's not the site topic of a, a meal. It's um, the opposite. It's the middle um, of everything. You have to, if you, if you imagine a Persian um, food table, okay, a typical table um, for lunch or dinner, um, you really can imagine that in the middle of the table, there will be two or three different kinds of rice dishes. Okay. So one is brown basmati with um, some cranberries on it. The other is a white um, uh, basmati rice with saffron. So it's not white. It's more like white yellowish. And the third one is another kind of rice. So this is always the middle of the table. Um, and that is very important to understand why, why um, it's very different from the way we see rice in the Western Hemisphere. So that was something that I knew, but I didn't knew that I knew. Um, when Torben asked me this question, I was like, okay, let's do rice. And uh, yeah, it started all from there. So rice became the center of their business plan and Rijsunger was born. But it all started from there. It's a bit too simple to describe the start of their business. Zorab and Torben, both in their very first jobs, made quite a few sacrifices to turn that wild idea into a serious business. They both decided to quit their jobs. With no income rolling in, they had to move back in with their parents. And we basically went back to being a student um, from the from the money's perspective. But they believed it would all be worth it because they didn't just want to sell rice. No, they were on a mission to really put rice on the map. And we want to show people that rice is healthy, is good for you. It helps. Um, um, it, it helps. Uh, it helps you to eat more healthy and more diverse. An admirable goal, but there was a lot of work that needed to be done to achieve it. Because they were starting Reisunger in Germany. And Germans weren't actually all that fond of rice back then. So they knew people would need quite a bit of education and perhaps even some persuasion to eat rice. The solution? Sell rice online instead of offline. So on the classic ways of selling your product in the supermarket, it's not is not going to work, okay? Because there is not enough um, space for you to communicate with the uh, potential customers. But we, as Reisunger, we um, focus on our online shop and our online platform. And on 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 this platform, we have a, a whole lot of space to, uh, you know, to promote the product, to tell the people how to cook it, uh, where it comes from, how it tastes, how it um, needs to be cooked to be perfect. 
and so on and so on. So um, our vision is on the one hand driven by the product itself and on the other hand also by the way we uh, sell the product um, um, via our online shop and not offline. And with that clear vision on how to run their company, they reached out to their first business partners. For example, we contacted um, people who, they, who we knew had contacts into the food, food business, or we contacted people who we knew had a warehouse. But other than that, they pretty much kept the idea to themselves. And testing it, well, they certainly weren't going to do that. They figured it would only distract them. And how could you test an idea that is unknown anyway? People might not understand it. If we had tested it, it um, we, we would have um, maybe got the result that it won't work. Um, because food and online at that time, 10 years ago, was not a thing. So it was before Picnic, before HelloFresh, before all the online supermarkets. Um, it was like the um, beginnings of the real serious time for Amazon. Okay, so uh, so it was a very very new um, new way of of selling food, and um, we were um, along with maybe two or three other um, um, food companies, the only ones in the whole of Germany that really took this approach at that time. So yeah, the test. Uh, so the yeah, the, the the launch was the test. But you can't launch an empty shop, so it was time to buy the rice. And they had clear ideas about that too. It couldn't be just any old rice. No, they wanted to have rice from the original source. For example, risotto rice from um, Italy. Um, nobody knows it, but in, uh, Italy has one of the um, biggest rice um, um, uh, industries in the whole world, definitely in the whole of Europe. And uh, we imported um, basmati rice directly from India and for example also uh, sushi rice directly from Japan uh, and that was one of the um, let's say uh, one of the starting ideas that we had that we always wanted to import the rice directly from the farmers uh, from an authentic um, place okay so we didn't want to have um, sushi rice from Italy or sushi rice from uh, I don't know the USA of course not. Sushi rice comes from Japan. Everyone knows that. Well, it wasn't particularly easy. Japan has very strict export regulations for rice products. So getting their much desired original sushi rice and having it in Germany in time for Rice Hummus launch turned into a tremendous hurdle. Still, they made it in time. But then, a week or so after the launch, a tragedy struck the nuclear disaster in Fukushima. Um, the rice field where we got our rice from was like 100 kilometers away. So it was not very, it was not very good for us to get our rice from there um, any longer. And we had to switch to, I think, the US. Oh my. Horrible. It was like, okay, somebody's trying to tell us something here. <laughs> and that wasn't the only challenge they had to conquer. Remember, Sorab and Torben were doing this all on their own. They had no investors and definitely no money to waste. And that is very, very challenging because on the one hand, all the ideas that you have really have to work out because you don't have a lot of money to waste. Okay, that is very different from the way 
um, if you have an investor who has a lot of money, um, it won't be, it is still challenging, but if you waste some money, it's not that bad. Not having any money to waste means there's little room for failure. And it means you can only rely on yourself and your business partner when challenges come your way, because there was no budget for personnel or specialists. It was like Torben and me for the first two, three years and nobody else. Uh, and if we had um, a challenge to master, we um, could always only rely on each other. And we didn't have any other you know, person who maybe had, uh, has a lot of experience. Yeah, and that was one of the, that is still until this day, one of the big challenges that we face, that we on the one hand are very independent, on the other hand, things must work out and we are not allowed to do very big mistakes. <laughs> Moment of Growth is powered by Mali. Mali, the founders of growth. Their solutions simplify complex financial services, letting you focus on growing your business. Because Mali believes payments should be effortless and growth should be for everyone. Mali, the founders of growth. Visit mali.com for effortless payments. So launching the online store was really important. That was the moment when money needed to start flowing in. The moment when everything had to fall into place. The moment that had to make all of their effort worthwhile. I really had the idea like, okay, we put this thing online and we have like right away 100 or 200 or 300 orders per day. I was sure of that. After all the hard work, all the sacrifices, the lack of money, Rysunga's moment to shine had finally arrived. Can you imagine? You've kept this idea almost entirely to yourself for months. And now the website was done. The products were there. They were ready to tell the world Rysunga was in business. But the world turned out not to be quite ready for Rysunga yet. We did a Facebook post like, hey, we are online. And um, what happened was like five or six people ordered and um, I think it was six people ordered and five of them were like names of our relatives or friends. I think they ordered um, just because, you know, they wanted to support us or out of pity, I don't know. Six orders. Six. Not quite the hundreds of orders the guys were hoping for. It must have been devastating. But for Zorab, it was a moment of growth. There was one name that we didn't know. And that was like the initial thought, okay, wow, um, you don't have to know Torben and, and, and me personally to, um, to, 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 be, um, to be, you know, motivated to um, order uh, rice from us. And that was, that was like a very small, but a very, very important detail um, that kept us going. Because for the first, I'd say six months, we had like one or two or maybe three orders per day. There was nothing. And then slowly um, but steadily, we uh, realized that people were talking about us. Um, more newspapers are, are, are um, um, uh, d doing some articles about the two crazy guys from, from the northern of Germany who put rice online. And um, yeah, slowly we, we um, 
we um, increased our orders from like to like five orders per day and then 10 orders per day and so on and so on. Okay, hold on. Let's take a step back. Imagine you've worked really hard to launch a business and you thought orders would start pouring in right away, but only a handful of orders come in for months on end. How do you stay motivated? How do you keep believing in your business? Well, you need one important ingredient, passion. If you don't have the passion and if you don't really, really want it, you will give up, if not at the first um, challenge, but then at the latest, at the second challenge, you will say, okay, no, that's too hard for me and um, I didn't want it at all and okay, I'm going to quit. So you really have to be willing and you really have to be passionate about the things that you do. Um, otherwise, it's going to be very hard until impossible. It was that passion for their mission combined with the hope sparked by that one order from that unknown person that kept Bryce Hummer going. They didn't give up. So it was always baby steps and it was always slowly but steadily. And steady it was. Today, Raisunga gets around 3,000 orders a day. Their turnover for 2019 was around 9 million euros. But back in the day, they had to make every penny count. So how do you attract new customers when there's no budget for big marketing campaigns? So we really had to be creative because we didn't have any money. And what we did was we... Um, we engaged our customers to talk about us. Um, we did this by, you know, um, putting flyers and uh, little booklets um, with stories and um, and recipes into the uh, packages. And we knew that the that uh, the people who ordered the rice would consume these uh, information and talk about them uh, during, you know, um, eating with with their friends. That was our idea, and it worked. That may seem insignificant. A few friends talking about the rice they bought from Raisunga over dinner. But it was 100% in line with their strategy. Teaching people more about rice. About where it comes from. But also how you prepare it. And why it is such an amazing healthy product. And who better to hear that from than your own friends. Rather than a salesperson. Fair enough. You can't focus solely on brand ambassadors. So Raisunga went after press coverage too. We talked to a lot of press people uh, all around Germany. We called TV stations, we called um, newspapers, we called magazines and sent products to them to test them. And um, a lot of them thought that it was a funny idea to uh, report about, you know, two crazy guys putting rice online. The other important thing Raisunga did to gradually grow their customer base was listen really carefully to their customers' needs. I think it was a woman um, who called us and said, like, hey, um, I tried your sushi rice. It was very good. Um, can I also buy some other sushi products at your online shop? And that was, like, um, the initial uh, idea for us to put some... Um, rice-related products on our one, uh, online shop to, um, you know, have a, have a bigger variety of different products. Adding rice-related products, that actually meant changing the rules of the game a little. In the business world, people often think in terms of labels. 
You're a food company or a non-food company. You can't be both. At least that was the assumption. But wouldn't it make sense for an online store that sells rice to sell rice cookers too? In other words, add a non-food product to the food range. Well, as it turned out, that makes perfect sense. That was a game changer for us because, yeah, um, we, we could attract uh, customers from both sides and, um, and, and um, you know, um, give them the other products that they didn't have. So, for example, if people find us because they are searching for good rice, um, they, uh, it's a very high chance that we can get them to also buy the rice cooker because you can only do very good rice if you have a rice cooker. Um, and the other way around, if you um, find us uh, on the internet because you are you were looking for a good rice cooker, uh, we will um, trying to um, to to um, to convince you to also buy our rice products because you can only do very good rice if the quality of the rice itself is good. So they added a rice cooker. And just a side note here: if you're a rice nitwit like me. You might be asking the same question I asked Sorup. A rice cooker? So you just bought super exclusive rice from Raisunga and instead of lovingly preparing it and cooking it twice or whatever it takes, throw it in a rice cooker? That feels like cheating. To be perfectly honest, you can do the best, the very best rice if you use, if you not use a rice cooker, okay? But the truth is, you need about one and a half hours to do a simple rice if you want to do it perfect, 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 the Persian way, okay? And, and let's be honest, um, you can do it like every once in a while, you know, maybe once a week if you're very good or maybe once a year if, if we are honest um, that you won't take the time of one and a half, two hours to, to do perfect rice. So if you want a good, if you want to do very good rice in a very, very short amount of time, a rice cooker is a brilliant idea. And um, yeah, that's the that, that that's why we always recommend the rice cooker for everybody. There's no shame in rice cookers. Okay, glad we cleared that up. Back to Reisunger and their ambition, because they started in Germany, but they wanted to change the rice game across all of Western Europe. Yep, that one tiny company is now going international. We launched uh, the Austria uh, webshop, we launched a Switzerland webshop, and we are about to launch a um, Dutch uh, webshop, so that the Netherlands are also getting our great rice. And after that, we will launch a few other markets, um, the Nordics and UK. Uh, and that is basically what we will be doing the next, I'd say, five to ten years. Zorab is very much aware that going international is no mean feat. The UK, for instance, is a completely different rice ball game than Germany. Because in the UK, um, people know because of the huge Indian community, what rice is, what good curry is. People eat this, eat a lot of rice when they go to restaurants. And if you look at the supermarket shelf, you will see a lot of um, rice products, which is not um, the, uh, the case in Germany. So um, we thought if we can do Germany, we can do the rest of Europe as well. 
And that is something that we're trying now. Yes, rice hunger is hungry for more. In a few years' time, they'll probably be shipping rice all over Europe. Fueled by their unbridled ambition to put rice in the middle of the table and bring this ancient product's benefits to everyone in Europe. But looking back, would Sorab have taken the same path for his business? That's a very good question. Um, it's the same question that I ask myself the whole time and also ask Torben the whole time and Torben asked me the whole time. I'd say no. Um, at this at this moment, I'd say, okay, it was it was very, very good for me as a person because I grew like a lot um, personally, but also um, within the expertise that I that I built up. But there are a, a few steps um, that we did in the past that could have been much more like faster um, if we had more money and if we had more expertise. But that's the way it is. And uh, we are very happy that we went this way. Um, there's no way to to do an A-B test on life. <laughs> that's so true. And as long as you have enough passion for your product, as long as you're looking out for those little signs that you're on the right track, you can make it. So when will Zorab know, I did it, I'm done? We are not there yet um, to be to be uh, to be able to say that we changed the rice game in the Western Hemisphere, but we are slowly uh, but steadily getting there. So we get a lot of customers, uh, customer replies or feedback, and um, that people through us um, for the first time in their lives, you know, um, um, get involved with rice because before us. Um, they never thought of cooking rice in their kitchen because they thought, ah, oh, rice is too complicated. I I don't understand the product. I don't know whether uh, how how it's cooked. If I cook it, it always burns. So all the issues that the people um, had, and um, we uh, resolved them for them uh, because we put the right information with the right kinds of um, uh, on the with the right kind of media on our platform, uh, so people get help. Um, so yeah, the people who who always had um, um, potatoes and bread um, and noodles before us start to integrate rice into their everyday lives. And that is a great feeling. That must be a great feeling indeed. So one last question for Zorab. What's for dinner tonight? Noodles. No. <laughs> <laughs> noodles. <laughs> <laughs> really? no, I don't know yet, but it's definitely going to be something around, I don't know, couscous, bulgur, -cous, rice, something like that. This was Moment of Growth, a show created by Molly and presented by me, Viviane Bendemacher. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for new episodes. <laughs>